Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, it, it's been very warm lately in Burbank. And, um, you know, the lovely Joanne moved in. And I'm not used to her being, I was always going back east. And last night was her first night where it was actually chilly. And she did the blanket steal, which pisses me off. Because everyone, if you ever notice, guys, if you live with someone, the woman always somehow gets your blanket. I'm just laying there and I feel her yanking. First of all, they always try to get up to you with, to get heat. So you turn around and you see their face and you're like, what the hell? So then I'm sitting there. And at like four in the morning, I can feel the blanket getting inched and inched. And finally, I just had to grab it. So I can't deal with that anymore because and she's going to put her comforter on this year. And I'm going to ask my guest this. My guest is Ken Leonard. How you doing, Ken? Good. Thank you. Let me ask you something before we start. Uh, okay. My girlfriend has a comforter. Back east, it was this real nice down comforter. Sure, sure. And she would sit there and she would not let me lay on it like to watch TV like no one can lay on the comforter and I'm thinking what's the use of having a comforter if someone can't lay on it I mean does that make any sense to you makes no sense like the old plastic on the couches remember that (laughs) yeah it used to squeak and you couldn't sit on it but it looked good for a while well now you're from you're from Brooklyn Brooklyn Bensonhurst. Now, did did you have the did you have the plastic? We had the plastic on the couches, and then when guests came, when like family or something, they would take it off. The second they would leave, we put it back on. (laughs) Well, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish or Italian? Okay, I was going to say because it's so funny. All the Italians in in my neighborhood, which I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, Uh but the few Italians we had, they would all sit there and have the the plastic on the couch but at christmas they would have the gaudiest ugliest lights just you would sit there and look and go what are you thinking it's like the whole the whole block even the people who you know just said let's say we had little win- lights in our windows mm-hmm. this house was just like radiant i'm sure in in new york in bedsonhurst sure. i got a lot of that yeah yeah we had uh there were you Jew- well the mafia used to live in uh bensonhurst okay so so you knew the houses to avoid on trick-or-treat time <laughs> and uh christmas time you would see the gaudiest, you know, displays, and uh, the football team had the Jew on the football team because everybody else was Italian. Right. So it was Lafayette High School, okay. which famously had a first baseman named Sandy Koufax, who was playing first, not pitching. Which is that's so funny. how smart Lafayette yeah. High School. Because yeah, exactly. Oh, we'll just put we'll put the Jewish guy at first base. Right. We're not gonna let him one of the best pitchers. You know, right. that's uh, yeah. So now, now I got to ask you, because I know you and your brother both uh, have gone into the acting field. As a kid, when you were growing up, did you ever, did you guys act around the house or did you, I mean, how did you get this bug to actually follow this career? Mm -hmm. My brother was always an actor. And so he was always working on plays and uh, in high school and Brooklyn College. And I would work with him on his parts. And uh, it was just a natural progression. He came out to LA, started doing television and uh, it seemed like, okay. That's something I think I can do. So I came out and immediately uh, worked on Happy Days. Okay. So now, my first job. And well, who were your Happy Days? I was Rocco Malachi, one of the Malachi brothers with the Demolition Derby. You know what's funny? I, I watched like every Happy Days. Yeah. And, and I, I knew of the Malachi brothers and the uh-huh. Malachi crutch. Exactly. Crunch, yeah. Right. And uh, it's, it's, it's that classic. It's so funny. It, it's so funny how if you follow Happy Days and some people don't really... Under, remember a lot of it, but you know, Fonzie started off with a uh, blue jacket. He wasn't mm-hmm. always wearing black. Yeah, leather. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, uh, I still remember there was a, an episode which really touched back then on on racism when they had Sticks, the drummer, the black drummer. Yeah, and and yeah. the guy Bag goes, I can't go in a bag. I go everywhere. But mm-hmm. it's just so you were one of the Malachi brothers. Yeah, me and Michael Pataki. He was the count, and I was the younger guy. And uh, the the scariest job I ever had. 
on that show was, uh, well, I did about 11 episodes because they had me playing Frankie Bing Bong. Isn't it great that you could play different characters? In those days, you could. You're the Malachi brother, and then then no one really paid attention. And also, Jews were playing Italians in those days. Well, that's that's like, well, look at Fonzie. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest thing. (laughs) He's a Jewish guy. Right. So we had Demolition Derby, and they said, okay, Ken, you'll be driving the car, and everybody else in the Demolition Derby are going to be stuntmen, and don't worry about it. They're not going to hit you. So you're the only actor, actually. I was was an actor driving in the Demolition Derby, and every stuntman saw this as an opportunity to kill kill an actor. (laughs) I was driving for my life, and they they had a cameraman squatted down shooting me in the Demolition Derby. And uh, I'm telling you, I had to avoid getting killed like 12 times. It was great. It did was you did, did you feel the impact? I mean, oh, can sure, you really feel sure. it? Did yeah, you, you feel it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, why did they, uh, they just shoot? Why didn't they pick the Baron? He's the Baron. Well, because he wasn't driving. He was like uh, waving a flag or something, if I remember correctly. So I was the moron driving with the flaps with the hat. And stuff. <laughs> now I'm going to YouTube that. I swear to God, when I get home, and that's the funniest thing is, you know, I'm going to tell my friends, I'm going to, God, you won't believe, remember the Malachi you cried? Right. All my friends are the same as me. We're, we're idiots when it comes to TV culture. Just, we remember this stuff. I remember a little more than them, but that's amazing. But now, was, oh, it, was, was that your first? Was, first you, job. I no, got out here and uh, immediately. Well, how old uh, were you when you decided to come 27, out? I was 27, 28. Okay, what did you do? What, what, you went to I Brooklyn College. I was substitute teaching. Okay, so you went to Brooklyn College. Right, went to Brooklyn College, and then to uh, my draft lottery number, okay. you know, was kind of high in order to stay uh, out before the draft. I was substitute teaching and then taking acting classes, Stella Adler, studied with Stella, and uh, then uh, came out. I did some theater in New York, and then came out to L.A., and um, Jerry Paris, the director, uh, loved me. And Gary Marshall, and I read for them, and I was playing every Italian hitter that I could remember when I was in Brooklyn. And so I read for this part to play a gang leader opposite Fonzie's gang and got the part. And uh, there was the guy that played the gang leader opposite me was an uh, an actor but who became a big producer, Jeffrey Kramer. Okay. I don't know if you know who he is. The name sounds familiar. Yeah. So he's been producing for a long time. So I started uh, Happy Days, and then I worked. My then my next job was the lead in a movie called Hot Tomorrows that Martin Brest directed for AFI. Okay. That went. We went to the New York Film Festival, and we played in Filmex when film out here. So I thought this was the easiest town in the world. I mean, I was starring on the biggest show in television, going to film festivals, starring in a movie. And how long were you out here? You weren't out here. For I was that out one. here for six months. And I did Happy Days, and I did the lead in that movie that went to. It was me and Ray Sharkey. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah, Ray Sharkey, yeah. Right? The wise guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you, you know, okay, you know what's weird is, and I, it probably happened to you. Back then, there was only a few TV shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so it's like I had a guy, Paul Carfotis, who was on uh, Not Slanting, and he said, back then, this is how many people they got to watch, and they were ranked like 14th. Mm-hmm. Back then, Happy Days was very highly ranked. Show. Hugely. Yeah. Now, did you start getting recognized as Malachi brother? Because everyone watched that show, and it's one of those things. And it's a character that it's it's not the you know a typical character. You know, people wanted to hate you because you're going against Fonzie. Did you start getting recognized? At an oh, early absolutely. Age? People started thinking. I mean, so I got jobs playing Italian hitters, and I got the Clint Eastwood movie Any Which Way You Can, playing an Italian uh, mafia guy's son. 
And, you know, I wasn't playing the parts that I eventually grew into, which were Jewish lawyers and doctors. Right. So I was playing hitters. I was playing Italian guys. And then all of a sudden there was this huge influx of Italian actors coming from New York. And then they realized, you know what, we've got Italians to play Italians. Well, who Jews the, won't play Italians anymore. Who were some of the actors that were the Italian guys coming in then? Tony Danza. Okay. Uh, just a, a load of my friend Leo Rossi. Loads of Italian guys would come in. You know, also when you're in New York and then you come out to L.A. and you start making it in television, everybody's seeing you and they're going, oh, okay. Well, you know, if he's on there, we can get. On, right. You know, so they would come out. And um, so it was just, you know, one guy after another would come out and start getting the Italian roles. And I was uh, then moved into playing doctors, lawyers, school principals. Well, you, you've been, I mean, you look, you look at, and I always, I always go by IMDb. I always, I always love looking, yeah, looking yeah, at people's yeah. IMDb's. But you look at, and, and it's so cool, it's Rocco and Frankie. But then there's Cagney and Lacey, a doctor. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, were they, were they flipping between a Jewish guy and the Italian guy back then? And yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be able to play comedy and drama. And usually that didn't happen. So I went from playing uh, sitcoms, like almost every sitcom that was out at that time. And then I would do dramas. But it was always playing Jews as it went along looking at this face with this nose. So I was playing uh, you know, they just pigeonholed me into lawyers and doctors and then on the commish I played, remember the commish? Yeah, with Michael Chiklis. Exactly. It's so funny when I think about that show and then I and I saw him and there's an old episode of Seinfeld where he's in where he, he's the uh -huh. uh, the neighbor and, and the commish he was just like this sort of this dumpy guy yeah. and then you see him on the shield as Vic Mackey and he's this badass and you're going, yeah, that was great. you're going, wait, that's the com it's just so funny it's like it's I and mean, that's what's great about acting though it's uh, the guy went from i mean if people if you don't know the commission was michael chiklis was on for like five years i think yeah he, yeah shot he, in vancouver okay and he played a, a police commissioner and, mm -hmm. and he had he had a little bit of hair then and he was sort of frumpy yeah and, and then all of a sudden if you saw him on the shield they're shaving his head and he's like yeah. pop and what uh, Teresa saldana i think played his wife on the show okay and that was right around the time where i think something happened to her or I, a little after that yeah I, the name sounds very i'm not, I'm yeah, not yeah, sure yeah. so i played a child molester on that show which was like, uh, all of a sudden, I was playing this kind of weird kind of guy. And funny story, I was in a bank about maybe a week after it played prime time, the commission, and some woman behind me on the ba on the line just hit me on, on the back. I mean, like, really hit me hard. I said, excuse me? And she said, you're a child molester. I said, lady, it was television. Take it easy. It was, but, you know, she bought the fact. That means you're, that means you're doing a good not. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I can play a child molester. But, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, well, hey, hey, we need a molester. Bring in right, Learner. Yeah. Bring in Learner. Exactly. Okay. So, no, now, for you, because you said you were going back, you were doing the sitcoms and you started doing dramas. And, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, believe me, and there's this shows his acting ability when you can play a Malachi brother and, then, and, and get, I mean, it's comedy and sell it. And sure, then sure. play a child molester. It's quite some range mm -hmm, I mean it's mm -hmm. now when you started acting back in New York with your brother did you think you would want to do comedy or drama or both what was your focus well, I think when you're an actor you're I mean you're doing a lot of theater and you're doing you know and you're studying you know uh, and so you're going to take pretty much anything that comes your way and uh, I saw that I could do comedy and I was really uh, funny you you know hit timing comedy timing and then so whatever jobs would come and being a character actor you really don't choose you know right. you, you're just available and you know the hope is that you have a long range of parts that you can play and when you're not like the leading man when you're not this you know real pretty person as you get older jobs are more and more available to you because you know we're I'm representing every man 
And uh, a guy that I studied with who's fabulous, he was my mentor named Roy London, said, you know, as you get older, you're going to get more and more jobs. And he was right. Because, you know, I'm, I, I represent everyone. I go to Vegas, I get recognized like crazy because everybody's just, you know, when they're watching television cross, cross uh, country, they're seeing me playing all the roles that, you know, they represent them. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny how that, and it's so funny how commercials do that because a friend mm-hmm. of mine, his name's Corey Jacob, he was on the show a few weeks ago, he's the guy in the NFL network commercial, Gary, the Seattle Seahawks fan, which is mm-hmm. funny, he's a Packers fan. But that commercial plays all the time especially during football games. Mm-hmm. And people see him and they think automatically he's a Seahawks fan and stuff like that. And it's just weird how TV, you know, when someone is a character actor or in a lot of commercials, people remember them more than like a guy who's been, I mean, I'll, I'll see someone on a, a commercial. Mm-hmm. I'll remember them before today. There was like three guys on the Today Show. Mm-hmm. I, I knew who Wahlberg is and who the other guy, I didn't know who the other guy was. And it's like, this guy's starring in a big movie. I think we, we remember the, uh, the everyday man a lot better. Yeah. Well, when I did, uh, I did a FedEx commercial years ago in New York, and the kid that played my son was Jim Parsons okay. from Big Bang Theory. It was He's, one of his first jobs. Okay, that's so funny. And Yeah, and uh, so then when I did the Big Bang Theory last year, he came over and hugged me and said I was so nice to him, and it was just, it was just so sweet. And it was a really... It was a really nice commercial. The commercial was about uh, me going, remind me why I hired you again? And he said, because you're my dad. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. And it was FedEx. And it was uh, it was great. Well, right now I'm doing uh, T-Mobile. So loads right. of people have seen me in that. And it just plays like crazy. Everybody, I keep getting uh, recognized. And I also get, um, what do you want to call it? Hate emails from friends saying i'm tired of seeing your face see that's um, funny well you know what's funny about that commercial me and my girlfriend were uh we got we met someone for a drink and it's a spar in burbank and they, they have a few tvs and they're playing some sports and then there's a one guy who's from he's uh argentinian so he always watches soccer on the one tv and we're looking and i look and i go to my girlfriend because i already booked you and i said wait i said they changed the com- I, I guess that commercial's not running anymore. It turned out it was the same commercial, but in Spanish, and then they had two different actors. Yeah. And I was like, it was like, because, and I noticed that when T Mobile used to have the girl with the red dress, uh-huh. they had a, a different one in Spanish. So I'm sitting there going, I'm thinking, okay, they, I have enough Mex- uh, Spanish TV with Mexican stations out here where they play. American movies and they have the worst dub job when they have like Rocky when you hear Rocky he's like it's like no that's not Rocky I'm thinking why can't they just put the commercial I don't know maybe Jeremy's not a popular Spanish name but it was just it was Jaime it was yeah exactly Jaime but it was the exact same did the guy look like me, or was no? He was. Maybe he was. He was. He was a bald guy. He was. It was an older okay. bald guy with look. I think a goatee, and okay. and the wife looked a little bit like your wife on the commercial. Right. But uh, I was just surprised because I was like, because you turn and and you're in a bar, so you don't hear it. Mm-hmm. So you, you mm-hmm. think, oh, they must have just switched the ad campaign, and, and then you think, why would they do that? Because all of a sudden everyone wants to know what happens to Jeremy and then you just pull it but it was yeah. in Spanish I, yeah I weird. think they did that simultaneously I, someone told me that there was this whole Spanish version of it but uh, the T-Mobile I mean we did 11 spots they played 10 and they just played the heck out of them all the time so it was like every time I'm watching TV it was on and it was on and I I would just get emails ka-ching ka-ching I don't even know who it was from I would get uh, emails from old students because I teach acting and um, uh, amazing the recognition factor from uh, commercials and uh, just as an aside I was in um, 
uh, Macy's uh, maybe a week and a half ago, this big guy comes over and he says, excuse me, uh, black guy, excuse me, uh, you got a guy in a T-Mobile? I said, yeah. He says, man, that piano one is the funniest. And I said, oh, thanks. Yeah, that's my favorite as well. I, on that one, I just stare into the camera for about 30 seconds without saying anything. And See, then I go, please, Jeremy, for the love of God, it's just know, okay, it's so funny, turn off your phone. My girlfriend loves the one. It's, it's about the, uh, want to go fool around? <laughs> the sheep, you know, that cracks her up. And, and the other one, do you want me to make you a sandwich? And that's just, and it's just, it's funny. I mean, and yeah. everyone can relate to them because everyone knows a parent like that. Uh-huh. And, and it's, you're the, you're the parent that you, you're not. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're Jewish or Italian in the commercial. Well, I, it can be a both. I, I think, I, don't I think, think you're, I, they don't either. Yeah. But I think you're Jewish and the mother's Italian, wanting to feed yeah. you. And yeah. you. But it's just, it's just everyone relates to that because we all know someone like that. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. parents. And when she said to me, uh, "Do you want me to, you know, uh, you want a sandwich or something?" and I said, "Yeah, fix me," and they then said, "You know, maybe we should." You know, put in, you know, fix me something. I said, no, 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 fix me's great. That's the way people talk. So they liked it a lot. The interesting thing about when she said, do you want to go fool around? And I said, yeah. My wife, who's like on the internet every second, okay. uh, sent me these Twitter, you know, all of this Twitter going around with the T Mobile thing. And people were outraged that older people have sex. See, that's And so it st- pissed me off. So people really were. You, Absolutely. I can't believe this couple's going upstairs to have sex. What's going on here? How could T-Mobile do that? I, you know, what? You're 65 and you do not have sex anymore? And, and then, of course, they don't they don't, bot, they don't complain about the commercial for uh, Cialis where the two idiots are in two, right. se- two separate right. tubs. Exactly. It's like, okay, wait, you're in the middle of nowhere. I'll tell you, if I, if I take a Cialis... The last thing I'm thinking about is taking a bath in my own tub. You know, yes, it's like I, that, that, that's fine, but that's so so funny that people are just so uptight. People were, I mean, there was one where uh, somebody put on. I don't know how they do this on, with the internet and stuff. They put on the, my wife saying to me, uh, "You want to go upstairs and fool around?" And I went, "Yeah." And then they cut in Stewie Griffin throwing up. <laughs> on a Twitter thing, and it was, you know, and I sent it to the woman who played my wife, Janet Ulrich Brooks, wonderful actress from Chicago, and she said, "I don't know why you're sending this to me, but uh, okay." But you know what's funny? In, in a backward-handed way, it's actually a compliment that someone is actually going to take the time to sit there and go, "Okay," and for them, they think it's funny, exactly. and it, I mean, and you know, it, it's, it, but it does. They sit there and actually they went to get the clip and then get that and then go through a little. It I mean, was hilarious. It's, it's, Taking time and it's just it's a compliment. To I you. was laughing like crazy. I mean, you know, but then it started really pissing when I saw all of these and these people. I mean, do they have a life or is it really important to them to let me know that actor from uh, on the T-Mobile? He's having sex with his wife. This shouldn't be happening. Which so funny. We I've talked about this with many guests about the whole Twitter thing. How people have no problem being mean to people. Like, I joke around. Like, there's a, there's a, a newscaster in Philadelphia, Mike Jarrett. He used to be in the Mike and Maddie show. Whenever, I used to watch him when I was back east, but now I'm here, and I always make fun of Matt Lauer. And he always retreats me. But my thing is, no one really likes Matt Lauer. <laughs> so right. it's, it's not bad. Like, today I said, oh, they said one of uh, Santa's elves is going to be the studio. Oh, my bad. It was only Matt Lauer. Uh-huh. So he retweeted it. But I'm not being mean, but some people, t- they tweet... I mean, this is mine's a joke, but some, mm-hmm. I don't sit there and send to Matt Lauer going, "Hey, you look like an elf." You know? right, right, right. But it, it's it's just weird. We've talked how people, for some reason, they they they're hiding behind the internet, but they have no problem saying this stuff, which actually it's it's asinine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, on the same, on the same, you know, there are people that will say, oh, you know, it's wonderful that this couple loves each other so much. So there's, it's kind of even the good stuff and the bad right. stuff. But you wonder why people have the need to do that. You know, to to send that out because like they they have nothing better to do. Yeah. It, it's there, there's yeah. a mean spirit, and I think they're just they're afraid. They're afraid that they they see first of all they see you, mm-hmm. and they probably go oh you know, and it's like anything they probably see this commercial again, and it mm-hmm. thinks, and then they're like I don't like that. It's like I've said this before. Like my father, he never liked David Brenner. Just because he didn't like the way he looked, and that makes no sense. But you know, he doesn't like big noses. Yeah, but but we all have the Cooper bump, so we can't argue. But no, but it's just weird how some people. But my dad wasn't the type that would tweet someone. I mean, sure, you know. But it was just some people don't like someone. But now it's because of the internet. Well, yeah. Because back in the day, you'd what you were going to write a fan mail, you know, and and then that's like doesn't. Yeah, but now everybody has a forum where they can just get it out. Yeah, it's amazing. So now I was going to go back. Now, when you were growing up, was Mm -hmm. was your household was there a creativity abound or I mean, was, was, were your parents into acting? Well, my, no, my parents were not involved in that at all. It was my brother. My brother was very, very, very smart uh, bookler, just had every book in the world, still a t- tremendous book collector. And um, he took me to my first Broadway show, Tom Bosley in um, Fiorello. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then we went to a lot of Broadway, went into New York, because when you live in Brooklyn, you would take the subway into New York, see shows, and walk. So that whole life became available to me. And then um, the natural progression of him, seeing him play in Death of a Salesman at Brooklyn College, uh, playing Willie Loman with Dominic Chianese. That name, um, I know that name. What? The, uh, the, the grandfather on uh, Sopranos. Oh, um... Uncle June? Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I do that in my comedy act. When I wear my hat, I look like a young Uncle June. Cause yeah, I have, yeah. But it's true. But, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I heard Dominic, that guy's an amazing singer, too. He is. He is. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard. So, uh, you know, and there was a, and Brooklyn College was a real kind of hotbed of wonderful acting and, uh, and a good place to be creatively. And just, um, so my brother doing it, just uh, it was in the house all the time, listening to, mu- listening to musical theater. And that kind of thing. Now, can you sing? Are you a good singer? I have. Not really. I mean, I have uh, occasionally sung um, Summer Stock, and uh, I was going to do a uh, a, a play, a musical, and that fell through. My daughter is a wonderful singer. My son is an actor, and my daughter is an actor. Uh, My son has a big movie coming out in uh, February called Almanac for Paramount. And he's one of the leads, and uh, he played uh, John Leguizamo's son. He played Ben Stiller's son in movies, and he's on a show called Suburgatory, where he's done a lot of episodes. He's the nerd Jew on the show. Now, how, how did, did you want your kids to follow in your acting footsteps? Because I know, well, for, I mean, if, if you break it down, to be honest, with your career, you you got lucky very quickly. I mean, and, it's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. and you got yeah. lucky, and you've you've worked. I mean, you're, you've constantly worked for, yeah. I mean, God, yeah. 30, I mean, I haven't done years. anything other than acting, other than acting. Right, and, uh, and you've worked, but you're, you're one of the lucky ones. I mean, mm-hmm. you're one of the 10%, 5%. Sure. Now, with your kids, and what I found out was even, I mean, even though you've been in so many projects and mm-hmm. other our, our character actors have been in a ton of projects, yeah. you still have to go and you still have to audition. You still have sure. to go through the whole process. It's not like, Occasionally it, I'll get an offer. Yeah, and if you know someone, yeah. they'll do it, but a lot of times they'll say, no, you got to come in. Yeah. Now with your kids, I mean, I guess they grew up around it, mm-hmm. but did they, did they always want to go into acting or was it down the, a little bit later? They said, uh, you know, we think what dad does. Interesting. My son uh, at my daughter's bat mitzvah, my son got up and did stand up. Okay. And people loved him. Somebody came over to him and said, you know what? Um, 
you should be in showbiz, and uh, I want a manager. I want to introduce you to a manager. And he said, yeah, you know, And uh, but then as the weeks gone by, he kept coming to me and said, Dad, shouldn't we go and see that person? You know, and he wanted to do it. And now, how old so was he? He was nine or ten. Okay, so he was very at young. At the time, he okay. was very young. And uh, so we went and met the greatest manager in the world, Susan Curtis, who handles Mila Kunis. Okay. And um, she loved him, and he started working, and he got this big movie called Monster House. Do you remember Monster House? Sounds the, familiar. They, they did a motion capture, and okay. uh, it was um, just a huge animated uh, hit. And so he was one of the leads. He was Chowder in Monster House. And uh, so his career started going, and he just went from job to job. And like me, he's um, a wonderful character actor, and uh, he's 21 now. So with Almanac coming out, we'll see. And my daughter decided to go to college. She went to a great school called Muhlenberg. I know Muhlenberg. You know Muhlenberg? It's uh, upstate Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Allentown. Okay, but well that's not okay. Dorney Park is in Allentown. Because I, I, I that's my first comedy gig ever was in a town next to Allentown called Bethlehem. Yes, at sure, this of course. at this dive, it was called the Fun House, and it was owned by this biker. And I remember we were all happy because we got paid sixty bucks, uh-huh. and we went up. And there's like four of us in the car, and like one guy did the drove because we got him stage time. He got the set for free, and there was this little dive that sold fried pierogies and chili dogs, mm-hmm. and that was the best thing. You you know you got a few beers after the show, you got your sixty bucks, and you went and you got to pro- but yeah. But in Allentown's known for Dorney Park, which is a big sure. Yeah, we, big well, thing. any of the hotels we stayed in when we went to visit my daughter at Muhlenberg was right near Dorney Park. It's great. It's yeah, great yeah, country yeah, out yeah, there yeah. too. And and I love. There's so many great schools in Pennsylvania. You know, oh, they're yeah. small, beautiful, and they, they look like what schools should look right. like if you go to college. They look like the old, you yeah. know, the old, yeah. as they say, the Ivy Walls. Yeah, just yeah. The, and we loved the school for my daughter, and she had a wonderful time there. It was a great musical theater school, and she's now uh, doing. Uh, she's trying to get webisodes. Uh, sold, sold, and also in. Uh, she just got rejected from Slam Dance today. I just got email, and so they're putting it to some other places, and uh, so they're trying. And the question was, did I want my kids to be in showbiz? How do I stop them? Right. They're talented. They love it. They understand the ups and downs. They've seen me. They've seen my brother. And so. it's and it's it's sort of like the family business. I mean, it's a, it it's the family business. It if is. you own the hardware store, you know, you wouldn't sit yeah. there and say, yeah. "Don't you know?" Well, I don't yeah. want you guys. If they Gary say, we Marshall want to... said to me one time, very funny. Uh, he said, "You know, I was I, I did a play at the Falcon Theater, which Gary Marshall right. owns in but, Burbank." Right. So Gary Marshall said, "You see this theater? If I was a doctor, it would be a hospital." Right. That's true. You know, and so and his kids are all involved, and you know. Uh, so Kathleen Marshall was in the show that I did, Austin Look and Old Lace. And my daughter on Friday is auditioning for Kathleen Marshall to do a show at the Falcon. So it all comes around. I, you know, It's so funny because the Falcon, a few weeks ago, when, when my girlfriend decided to move out, her mom had a going away party. One of her friends gave her a, a gift card to Umami Burger, which oh. is, which, but now Fabulous. is across from the Falcon. But it used, sure. to, be, it used to be that legendary hot dog stand right across from the Falcon. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poopas yeah. or Papos yeah, 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 or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she was sitting there, she goes, oh, the Falcon Theater. And I told her whole thing, Gary Marshall. And, it, and it's so funny because there is, I don't, I've never, I've never been there, which is weird. You've not been at the no, Falcon? No, I've been to the Colony. It's a beautiful theater. But I, I'm sitting, I, I should go there because, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll go to Pantages a lot just because right. when once you go to one show at Pantages, you get discounts all the time. Like I, uh-huh. I, I went to Avita, which honestly... I didn't know what the hell was going on. Singing was great, but right. but it was like these eighty five dollars tickets for twenty five bucks. We drive to North Hollywood. We take the train in. Right, right. But the thing is, I'm thinking I could spend twenty five bucks or thirty bucks and go to Falcon, and and there are they are great productions, and they yeah. get 
they get established actors. It's not yeah. like some of these no, places in Noho. And, you know, it's a really, really beautiful theater on the inside, and the facilities are fabulous. I mean, Gary Marshall did did it upright. And, you know, it's like working in a Broadway theater, and it's uh, very intimate, and he gets involved every now and then. He came in and kind of co-directed the production that we did. Richard Klein played my... Uh, from Larry. Brother. Larry from uh, Three's Company. Exactly. Right. So he played my henchman. I played the kind of monster in Austin I can all lace. So, you know, it all came back. Uh, it all comes back. And, you know, so now my daughter is going to audition on Friday to play this uh, 17-year-old Jewish girl during uh, the uh, 1939. So, interesting. Now, do you enjoy stage a lot? Because you've been doing it for a long time. Have you always enjoyed stage? And what yeah. were some? What are some of your favorite roles you've played? Even if it's like a Brooklyn community, well, what are some I roles did, that you really enjoyed? At the Pasadena Playhouse, I did uh, the Waverly Gallery, okay. which uh, Kenneth Lonergan, who's a great director and writer, and it was the world premiere out here, and um, so that was one of my favorite roles. Uh, I also directed the uh, L.A. Uh, premiere of Closer, you know, the, the play? Yeah. Yes, yes, the, yeah, was, yeah. and it became a movie so, with Julia Roberts. Exactly, and, okay. yeah, so we got the right. It was unbelievable how we got the right, so I did it with my students, and I directed, which I will never do again, two casts simultaneously. But you'll never direct. direct again or direct two casts? Direct two casts, Okay. yeah. Because it was really difficult. But we had a nice run in Hollywood, and that was fun. So, yeah, to, you know, I think any actor would do theater if a good part came their way. Because it's just, you know, it's, nobody's telling you what to do. Right. You know, you get the chance to just do your thing. Now, we're, I want to talk more about your career in a little mm -hmm. bit. But I want to get to the whole, the Ken Lerner studio. And, uh -huh. and you're, it's, it's, it's Ken, Ken Lerner studio. It's KenLerner.com. Right. It's a, now, at what point did you decide, okay... I'm going to teach acting. And I think what, I think what difference I, to me as someone, I mean, I dabble in acting. I have an agent. I don't really go out much, you right. know, and I've never taken an acting class, but for me, you're an actor that you have worked a lot. And so I think it's much more credible. And there's a lot of time there's out here. There's some people who have had like one role. Yeah. That's it. And then they teach acting. And my philosophy is always like, well, if you knew how to do it so well, why aren't you booking stuff? Exactly. You, on the other hand, have a, a, an amazing resume. Mm -hmm. What at what point? And I'm, I guess you probably get more students because of that too. Because I think sure. more people. Yeah. I mean, I, I've noticed there's so many people that come out here, and I talk to my guests a lot about actors and writers and comics. Well, not as much comics because we would break our teeth, you know, on back east mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But out here, a lot of people don't know where to go, and they'll mm -hmm. see some an ad that says, you know, acting class, you know, or they'll see a Groupon, and they'll go, oh, I'm going to take this, but then it's some guy who's never really done anything. Yeah. And I guess that must be make a difference to you because, I mean, not, I'm not going to say it irks you, but it sort, of, it sort of makes the acting teacher not always look as serious because there's so many... Yeah, I, I just don't think anybody should be taking acting classes with someone that hasn't done it. Okay, well, that's, that's know, good. I mean, my, my, one of the things on my website would be work with a working actor, which I think is important. And I started uh, teaching because I was studying with Roy London, and Roy saw that I was getting job after job on TV and sitcoms and, and dramas and movies, and he said, you know what? I have a lot of students studying with me, but people aren't working. He said, you must know how to audition. 
And I said, sure I do. And so he said, okay, let me have, so I was his first teacher teaching classes for him while I was studying with him. And uh, that's how I got started. Now, what would you say is your is your secret art for the audition? I mean, was it something because you? I mean, you got six months into the biz, <laughs> you're booking stuff, sure. so you have to. And and so many people are so different in auditions, and you hear about people who are just you know they get so nervous, and it's mm-hmm. like it's like comics get so nervous on stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, what made you? Did you look at it differently when you could? I mean, you you booked so much stuff. Did I think you? I've always known that uh, the secret to getting work and the secret to good acting is bringing yourself to it. Okay. And really, really bringing your soul. And I think I was, I just did that naturally. And I also, uh, because of studying with Stella Adler, took one of the great classes ever, which was a text analysis class. And me understanding text analysis, I think, makes it so much easier to break down material. So actors going into auditions and actors need to be themselves. That's what they're getting. That's what they're buying because we're a commodity. The commodity is us. And so you don't want to hide behind what you think they want. You want to bring yourself to the material. So I think that's the secret, and that's what I try to do with my students, and that's what I'm trying to do. So everybody is wonderfully different. Everybody has their own quirks and their own ability to be whatever. They have their own attitudes towards sex, towards violence, towards uh, love, towards power, all of that stuff. You need to bring yourself to anything that you're up for. Now, when you teach, I mean, you have different stages, but I see also it says you're coaching. Now, Now, okay, do... Do students in your class, do they sit there and all of a sudden, do they get to a certain point where they want you to coach them? Or is it people, because I mean, you have, you know, Sheena Easton, Mm Funky Johnson, I mean, a a great list here. Mm -hmm. Or these people that said, we heard, you know, Ken Lerner knows his shit. Mm-hmm. And then they come to you. I mean, is that how you start coaching some of these bigger names? Yeah, it's is, all is, word is, of mouth. Is it word of mouth? Absolutely word of mouth. And uh, just last, maybe three weeks ago, I was at Warner Brothers working on a TV show with an actor that uh, needed to be coached on stuff. And so I was called in um, to be on set while he was shooting, rehearsing with him before that, and uh, just getting him up to speed. So, you know, you reputate. You reputa- your reputation gets out there and they understand that you know how to do sitcom and so a lot of people don't know how to do sitcom and so I'm called in to kind of fix things how do you I mean it's, it's so it's so uh I don't, one thing I'm trying to figure out is how would you coach someone? Would you say, okay, you're hitting this beat wrong? Or would you say, you know what? You should be sitting there saying this. I mean, isn't that also sometimes a director's point? Yeah, but uh, you also have to make them understand that they got to realize what the scene's about okay. and where they fit into the scene. And then the comedy timing has to be there. Look, if you're not funny in a sitcom, you're not going to work. Right. So you just have to be funny. But then you also have to bring your heart. And sometimes just actors don't understand what the scene's about, where they fit in. So my job is to look, stand on the outside. And then you have to be able to work with the director and work with the producers, understand what they need from the actor, what they're not getting, what they need to get. And then you step in and help them. Who are some of the favorite people, your, your favorite people that you've coached? Is there anyone that just said that they really... And well, you right now, just- I'm, yeah, there's a guy named Byron Mann, who I don't know if, uh, if you look him up, you'll, if you Google him, he's done loads of stuff. And we work wonderfully together because he's always prepared. And Byron uh, just got the lead in a, t- in a pilot. And the interesting thing is we Skyped from, he was in Shanghai. 
and I was coaching him in Shanghai on uh, by Skype, and uh, he would never, the producers never saw him in person. We kept working, Skyped, and then he would put himself on tape, and uh, it's such an interesting process now with the computers. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. And you work I with mean, an actor in Shanghai and coaching him. And, they could, and you could see and each other. It's not like you're yeah, on the phone. And you you see each other, and, you know, and let's fine-tune this. But Byron is my favorite because Byron comes so... He would come to me on a Saturday, 105 degrees in, in L.A., in Valley Village, uh, where I live in, like, North Hollywood kind of thing. And um, he's up for the part of a uh, sleazy uh, lawyer. He would come in a three-piece suit on a Saturday to coach Okay. Meaning to just work on something, so you know how dedicated. Right, he make is. he make he makes that that yeah. he t- dedication. I mean, you know, that's the dedication that actors have to have. So that's what I'm constantly talking to any of my actors. I bring Byron up a lot because you do you have to commit. So right now I'm also teaching at the New York Film Academy, and that's in where that's it's on in Burbank, right next to Warner Brothers. Right on Forest Lawn and Path. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, right on the corner. So, and it's a huge, huge school. They have one in uh, in England. They have one in New York. Obviously, New York Film Academy. My, na- my neighbor goes there. Oh, there uh, you go. Uh, the young kid, Norse. His name's like okay. Norse. I, don't know, I got somehow. I did this gig back east at the casino, and, and he got my check in his mailbox, and he opened it, and he goes, "Oh, you got a check?" And I'm like. Why, why'd you open it? <laughs> said, it said, I guess he wouldn't find out. And he found me on Facebook. He, oh, Steve that's Cooper. Nice. And, I and he like, got oh, you cool. the money. Yeah, I went over to his apartment, and you know. Oh, good. Good. Did you give him a tip? Uh, it was a check. <laughs> I said, give him a, don't open my mail. There's a tip. Right, exactly. Hey, yeah, don't open people's mail. So uh, the New York Film Academy. So I'm working constantly. I teach a class. One of the classes I teach, I teach a lot of different stuff. But one of them is business of acting, okay. which obviously I can do. So uh, I'm teaching them right from the start that the most important thing is for them to bring themselves. And uh, nowadays, um, tremendously important that actors have a reel three minutes, four minutes of their best stuff. So agents, managers, casting directors can see what they do. And um, New York Film Academy is a wonderful place for me to be teaching because I don't have to worry about trying to get students. Right. Because they already have students. So all I do is show up, do my thing, teach, and uh, that's it. What was it like coaching Dick Butkus? Very intimidating. Because I he, had he's to Dick tell, Butkus. I mean, it's Dick Butkus, the meanest, one of the meanest. And I had to say to Dick Butkus, you need to be tougher in this scene. <laughs> I'm telling Dick Butkus <laughs> to be tougher. At, at God's honest truth. That was one of my directions to Dick Butkus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, your list of people you've worked with. Do you, now, do you really find the teaching fulfilling? Do you really, like, at yeah, the end of the day, do I you go, it. God, and then, what, now, what do you do if, you know, what if you do if someone's just not that good? How do you, I mean, and you don't, and the thing is, and it's different if someone's not that good and, and if you weren't an accomplished actor and mm-hmm. they go, yeah, you're not that good and the person go, well, screw you, what do you know? You don't do anything. Right. But for you, because you have been in a lot of stuff and then now they said, God, that guy's everywhere on TV. So you're yeah. seeing everywhere. Yeah. Did, they, did they do a printout? Did they do printouts for that too? Yeah, they did. Are you on a billboard anywhere? I, I haven't seen it, but I know that uh, I got some nice money for it. What, what would you, would that freak you out if you saw yourself on a billboard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Absolutely. like a huge you. It's, sure. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> uh, but no, so what do you, I mean, Let's say you, you, 
you and you don't want to. I mean, there's got to be. You know what? Yeah, I, I don't think you want to crush somebody's dream. You know, right. it's it's really difficult. If I find an actor that doesn't do the work, that's not talented, that seems to be doing it only out of like, well, everybody's acting, so I can act. I might say to them, you know, you might reconsider. But if somebody really has the dream and if they really uh, are trying, then God bless them and give them a shot. You know, I mean, there might be some work out there for them. Have you ever just sat there and had a student? who walked in like the first class and you just went holy crap that's a ball of talent I mean yeah. is that right yeah you see that yeah you can see it a lot a lot of the times it'll happen because of pretty people you know somebody comes in and they're just beautiful and they're just uh, you know or tremendously handsome and you know that there's a career out there for them okay. if they can really do the work you know so now I'm looking through your thing and I know it's all you were on Chicago Hope and, yeah, yeah. You, and you played an attorney. Now, yeah. how, were you in for that? It, it seems like you're in a, a few, a bunch of episodes. Well, I was. I was the first person that did Chicago Hope and ER before the they aired, before it ever aired. Okay. So I did Chicago Hope first, and then I got a part on ER. And uh, number one, I think ER didn't know that I had done Chicago Hope, and there was this big thing about you know. The people on ER kept saying, "Is Chicago Hope a great show? Do you know? You know what? Do you, do you, you know? Can you? Is it? You know?" And the people on ER thought that uh, Chicago Hope was going to be the big show, well, Chicago, rather than ER. Chicago Hope has just such a. I mean, you look back. I was we were talking about this, the amazing cast, and it's so funny because my girlfriend watches Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. and we we're talking about actors that constantly have worked, and that guy Thomas Gibson. I sure. mean, he went from. That from Chicago Hope to Dharma and Greg to that, yeah. And Chicago Hope had a great cast. I mean, so yeah, Mandy Patinkin, Adam Arkin, and Peter yeah. Berg, Peter Berg, the, who was then uh, absolutely. I had the distinction of being on the set when there was a mass firing of five people. Peter Berg being one of them, and it was just so interesting to watch the dynamic going down as a character actor and as a guest on a show. I, I had done lots of episodes of Chicago Hope, so you sit back and you just watch the attitudes going on, and you just saw that, because it was like, uh, it was D-Day. I mean, people were fired. It just, uh, so I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but uh, coming in and watching, uh, we had a courtroom scene, and I remember they just uh, said, where's Peter? You know, he's out, uh, you know, somebody call him, and he came, or he didn't come. I, it was weird. I was also on NYPD Blue when um, the redheaded guy, what is the star? Was, uh, Caruso. Yes, when Caruso was let go. Well, now, and, now he... I, if if it serves me correct, did, did they fire him? Or did he quit? Because he, he, he signed. Quit. I think he, he signed all these tour. Yeah. Well, left. he got some big movie deals. Yeah. But then his movies didn't do anything. Exactly. And then, and then NYPD still owned, basically owned him, and said, yeah. No, 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 yeah, no. You're not. I think he, so now you were on the set. That must just throw everything off because then they don't they have to change the story and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, stuff. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. I've been around. So I was on a cruise for the A team. One of my great jobs. And um, Mr. T had a huge fight, and they helicoptered him, helicopter him off of the cruise ship because he quit. And they had they shot the rest of the episode with, <laughs> with a, another actor with his back to the camera as if it was uh, Mr. T. So you were in the A-team. Yeah. And so and they, they shot it on the cruise they ship? Shot it, oh, yeah. It was a great job. Uh, Mazatlan, uh, Cabo San Lucas, and, you know, that uh, Puerto Vallarta. And so I got on the boat with um, maybe a hundred 
beautiful bikini-clad women. My wife. Wait, they were, was, they, were shoot, they were shooting the show. Oh, yeah, we were shooting it was an episode. the show on the. So on they're the all actresses. Show. They're putting on the ship, <laughs> hot actresses, because they want exactly. the best-looking girls. Exactly. In so you had people who were on their vacations who were aware that they were shooting the A Team on uh, an episode of the A Team. I had the cushiest job in the world. Waved goodbye to my wife with all of these beautiful <laughs> women on, uh, and it was a great job. But Mr. T uh, was let go on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened, but something uh, something went down. Now you were in what movie? You were in with Schwarzenegger. Was it Running Man? Running Man. He, okay. uh, yeah, he, he was. You? Uh, Is that what it is? He stabbed me in the back with because I told him to sign something, and so they put a big wooden like a block on my back and then had my suit over it and they said you know Arnold's going to take the uh, pen and slam it into your back and you know and I'm, I look back and I scream so my worry it was a very thick piece of wood but looking at Arnold he was like a different species of human is he is he he's that big I mean it, it was like my his thighs were like the size of my whole body okay I mean a huge and you know and he was like we were acting and he took the pen and and when I looked how far that pen went in I could have been tremendously damaged in my back it's, it's yeah, a great but it's a great scene and you know people remember it it's, yeah. I mean, it's amazing to how much special effects have changed. I mean, it's yeah. like you know that was a a wood. That was know. a piece of wood that they just put, and he and he smashed it in. Now, I mean, nowadays maybe there would have been something different. But in CGI, I mean, it yeah. was, it's like what right, you, yeah. you said you're friends with Robert Picardo, and he said when no. he was, I guess, in the Howling, that they he did all like the squibs, you know, and it was mm -hmm. all now that mm -hmm. stuff. It's like sec oh, we'll digitally enhance it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. you do that stuff. I, I did the trailer for Godzilla. Remember they made got remade Godzilla? Yes. And so the trailer was me in a museum walking with. Uh, um, public school kids and I was going to be the guide and they said okay Ken when you hit this point I want you to look up because we're going to put in the whole ceiling of the museum falling down and a huge Godzilla foot was going to be there and so it was all CGI and so we walked in and you know and we did we shot the thing and I was um, it was the trailer for Godzilla the original now no I as I said I, I always go to the resident the IMDb and now you be mm -hmm. now in the TV shows you're in you're, you're, you've been in your comedies like Big Bang and other sure. shows is it is it different being on the set now than it was years ago because I think back then I mean like happy days and all that and and when there wasn't so much there wasn't so many shows and nowadays unless you're on a show that's been established but then I see you're on Southland which mm -hmm. got canceled yeah. which was a great show and Good was, show. But, but the thing is now is it seems like sometimes if you're on an episode of a show that's sort of new, do you feel sometimes there's like a little bit of walking on eggshells for the, the producers and writers? Oh, because, absolutely. Because yeah. like now it's like you'll see a show be on once or twice and, then it's, and gone. it's gone. They don't, give them, they don't give them a chance. Yeah, a lot of them. But I'll tell you something. It reminds me that the uh, from doing Happy Days and being in town for so many years, the closest thing I ever saw to Happy Days was doing Friends. Uh, the people, number one, the audience was beside themselves, screaming for these kids on Friends. And it was the only thing that I saw that, that was comparable to doing Happy Days in terms of the frenzy, in the terms of like with Henry being, you know, the Fonz, and then being on Friends and the, the way they treated those people. But an interesting story on Friends. The uh, audition was um, a lot of the times you audition for something, and if you get the part, uh, they'll tell you to stay because you're going to work that day and everybody else to leave. 
So you'd be seven actors reading for a part. Okay. You, re- you go in, you read for the producers. Then they say, okay, stay. And uh, then after the seven people audition, they'll come out and they'll go, okay, uh, you can go home, you can go home, you can go home, you can go home, uh, can go to work. And that was my experience on Friends. So I had told them originally that I'm not available to shoot uh, after seven on the shoot night because my daughter was starring in a play in junior high school. And so when I went in after, when I got the part, I walked into the producers and I said, now you guys remember that I said, I, and they said, oh, nobody told us that. They said, well, we start shooting at seven o'clock. So uh, um, we're not going to be, we start shooting at six, I think. Okay. We're not going to be able to uh, do that. And I said, well, then I can't do the part. And so I turned friends down. I walked out to the parking lot. They came running after me and said, we'll work it out for you, Ken. So when I shot, they changed the order of the way they were shooting to accommodate me so I can get out and see my daughter. So you must I'll have, never forget that. See, that's so nice. You, first one, that's very nice of them. Two, you must have really kicked ass in the oh, audition. The father, yeah, yeah. I mean, they must have said, okay, we know, wait, now uh, we these other him. guys, yeah, we want this guy. Exactly. That and I was you, the father of the year. That must because, make you feel great. Oh, if it made me feel fabulous. And, you know, and over the years, a job like that turns into, uh, what, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 Right. So, because of all the reruns and everything. But, I, you know, it's some, um, how many times do you get to see your daughter starring in something so exactly it really just was it was a no-brainer for me at the time if i really thought it out i think maybe i would have said i don't know but uh at the time it was just that's what i had to do but it was wonderful that they came running out and and they accommodated me it was great now what point in your career would you say at what age in your career is when you you transitioned from playing you know like the italian guy or this guy when you Mm -hmm. really started playing more lawyers and doctors 40 to 50 Okay. When I was 40, between 40 and 50, I did 14 episodes a, a year, which is a lot for any uh, oh, yeah. guest actor. So you're doing so, 14 different shows. Yeah, 14 different shows. And, you know, and again, I was a great auditioner, and I still, I still am, and you know, that's what I'm teaching. I teach cold reading. So uh, if, I always say, if I get up for a role, I'm going to either get it or get close. And so my average is about one out of every three or four auditions, which is a great batting average. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So now you were on Two and a Half Men. Yeah, yeah. And now was that the Sheen years or that? That was with Charlie. Okay. Yeah, and then I did uh, Anger Management. And um, now, did he remember you? Was I mean? Did, sure. Was, oh yeah, he I, came I mean, over to me and said, you know, I remember you from the show and all that. I've had really nice experiences with Charlie. So uh, you know what's funny and uh, it's so funny? He got such a bad rap, and then and you only hear about the crazy stuff. But then I just see something on some online where this guy had cancer and he only has like three months to live, and he wanted to meet Charlie Sheen, and you never hear the the thing you know where Charlie got him his uh, the guy's wife and their nurse flew him first class brought him in, put him up at the penthouse of the Universal Hilton, mm-hmm. brought him on set, brought him to his house and had the people cook. That's what sucks, because, like, I mean, he just he's just a partier. I mean, and it's like, you, yeah. you never hear the, the good sides. And I've always heard he's a very benevolent person. He's he was very, very nice. He was very sweet. He was always available. And uh, and uh, right there, it was, uh, you know, look, you, you, no one knows what, it was like a marriage. You know, nobody knows what went down between right. him and Chuck Lorre. And Chuck Lorre is an 800-pound gorilla, and Chuck 
Crawley's, you know, same thing. So uh, when I did Big, ba- Big Bang, you know, you have Chuck Lorre. I did Dahmer and Greg, Chuck Lorre. You know, you so there's this, there's these people, Bill Lawrence. I did Scrubs and, okay. uh, you know, I've worked. So there's these big executive producers in sitcoms. And you don't know what the dynamic is behind, you know, behind the show. And Charlie and Chuck, I guess, just didn't get along. So that was, you know, the way it was. Now, you did it in Plain Sight, which was, uh, my girlfriend loved that show. And it was a very good, good show. show. Albuquerque. Yeah. Now, is that where they shot Albuquerque? Yeah. Now, had you ever been in New Mexico? Cause no. It's so, because, well, did they shoot Breaking Bad in Albuquerque? Yes. Same, okay. almost the same studios, I think, and they overlapped with the studios. It's just amazing that, you know, you sit there and, you know, growing up, especially you're from back east, yeah. you never heard of Albuquerque. You know, and, and, and these shows actually take, I mean, I, I know they're shut down, but they actually take place in Albuquerque. Oh, yeah, great but, locations. and which, yeah, yeah, but it's just, it, how was it shooting down there? I mean, is, uh, it was, was it, wonderful because we were right near a casino, so I was able to play. Are you a gambler? <laughs> yeah. What do you so like? I was, uh, uh, well, I, I play Hold'em and uh, I play lots and lots of poker. I have a regular poker game. You know the character actor Bobby Costanzo? You know, have you heard of him? If you saw him, you'd know who he is. His name sounds very so familiar. So we play in a card game, and a guy named uh, Lewis Kolick, who's a writer, uh, he's written uh, Mississippi's Burning, and he's written just loads of stuff, a rocket uh, rocket kid with, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, so uh, we play every week. So we now how, how, okay, how does how does one find, like, a poker buddies? Like, you always see, like, like when I, I don't play poker. Everybody's from New York. Okay, but so but did you guys, I mean, but it's always funny, I guess, now, it's, I see it on, in Facebook, so I'm like, hey, I'm going to poker game together right and then you know but now did you guys know each other back from new york or no no just uh, migrated uh one guy knew about another guy and you know playing poker and then you know why don't you come down you look like you know you gamble sure and then it's uh so we sit down and we're how many got most of everybody's from new york we've been playing for 28 years we keep records on a computer we have game wednesday night and uh actually you mentioned umami um me and Bobby Costanzo, if we beat this guy Louie and David at the end of the year, the winner takes the other guys out for umami burgers, and you know we we try to drain them for as much money as we can. Do you and like then, Do you like the umami? Oh, I love it. You know, I it's so funny. My girlfriend had said she was in Ireland, and that, that was the, she said that was the best just two years ago. She the best burger she ever had. Uh-huh. But then she said umami. She said, oh my god, and the buns yeah. have the you on them, and uh-huh. it was just amazing. And it's funny because the one in crossing the Falcon Theater yeah. has hot dogs. Too, which I bet I saw some of those things looked amazing because it was uh, hot well, dog. Yeah, place. but how do you go into a mommy and not order a burger? That's what I was saying. But I think yeah. that, you know you maybe split them. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so right. Um, no, so, so gambling. Do you guys do you guys sit around and smoke cigars? Like no, in the, no, in the old days we 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 smoked. With the old days we had food. Now it's constantly you know kidney problems and, right. <laughs> and, and what medications and all of that kind of stuff. I've noticed that because it's funny because I'm a medication. It's I, a I, sense. I just turned fifty, yeah. and you sit there and you go, wow, you know, it's like. As you know, years ago, it's like you go, yeah, yeah. So what? What you know? You get a scotch, right? You go, hey, you know. And it's like, hey, do you like the Nutribullet? You know, if you use kale, it's really good. And it's like, exactly. oh yeah, I'm on a, I'm on lisinopril. Oh yeah, well, I'm on this one. And yeah. it's just, it's crazy. And how that's it the conversation. And if you have a younger player in the game, you know, you look at him, and you know, and all he's thinking about is girls, and right. thinking, you know, and 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 sports, and and uh, you know, and and we're talking about uh, hospitalizations and coverages and, and all of that. It's so funny. It's so well, I was saying. Things change. Things change. I had. Uh, I'm a big Philadelphia 
Eagles fan. And when they played the Monday night football game, right before that, my girlfriend was out before she moved out here and we had a, like a birthday party. So I had all this beer left in my house. So I just posted on Facebook, hey, anyone to come over? If you, you have to wear one of the Eagles jerseys I have, come over. A few guys came. My one friend is a heavy metal guy. He was used to be on White Line and stuff uh-huh. like that. And it's just so funny how you change that, you know, back in the day, it'd be like, you know, he'd be bringing, you know, some stripper and whatever and whatever. This, I get a text, hey, preheat your oven to 375. I bring in this dip that's my mom's <laughs> recipe. And I go, I was sitting to myself going, man, life has changed. Yeah. Now, where do you guys, do you guys play, do you rotate at different no, houses? No, no, we used to play at my house and then um, uh, somehow, I think I went on a movie set and I was gone for a couple of months. And so we moved to this guy's uh, guest house, this big writer. And uh, so we're now playing uh, near Lochmont. Okay. You know, in that area. And so we play there. So it just stays at his place. We That's play great, like though. You still night. play. Oh, it's wonderful. But the big thing is we went from playing until 1230 at night. Now we go once around at 1130. Okay. Meaning you start dealing offs because either you're working the next day or you're, you have commitment. And, you know, you you don't uh, revive as well. Right. As you're getting a little exactly, older. Exactly. Exactly. Now, is uh, we have about five minutes left. Uh-huh. Um, do you Is the T-Mobile commercial still going to keep running? Well, they're off now. I don't know whether they're going to keep because I think they found Jeremy. The yeah, I don't know because did he did he come I back? I think they found him, and I think they gave away the uh, the world. I think they have a world uh, tour that they were yes. giving away to somebody. Yeah, so I don't know what the. I mean, they have sent me more, meaning that it could go on. Uh, we haven't shot any new ones, but uh, I think cable goes longer, so they could bring them back. I'm not sure. Right now, they're off. I have a um, what do I have? I have a Rite Aid commercial where I have very funny story. I was uh, I'm supposed to have the flu. Five people, all the principals, the actors. So makeup, they go to the woman. Uh, okay, we're going to put bags under your eyes. The guy, we're going to put some red around your nose. They looked at me and they said. You're okay, Ken. You don't need any. You don't need any makeup. So I walk around like a guy that looks like he has the flu all the time. Now, do you audition a lot nowadays? I mean, uh, occasionally, you know, maybe once a week, twice a week for commercials when commercials are really going. You know, it's all kind of uh, cyclical. What are know? some of the, uh, the your favorite commercials you've done? That I filmed? Yeah, I mean, how many have you done? You've probably done tons. A lot of them, yeah. I think my favorite was the, uh, the Snickers, where I was an optometrist, and my uh, office was filled with referees. Okay. And I had an eye chart, and they were looking at the eye chart, and I would go point us to a letter, and they would go, uh, duck, and referee. I remember and, that, okay. And then they would point to, an, point to another one, and they would go, uh, cow. And my reaction was, no, there's uh, no cow there. And I really underplayed to the point where you almost couldn't hear me. And um, I won the Best Actor Award for commercials for that year. They have some kind of strange thing going on with that. But I got a plaque or something. That's that was cool. my favorite commercial. Yeah, okay. it was nice. So now, now uh, you're also, I've seen you've been on The Mentalist. Yeah. No, how was that? Because mm-hmm. hey, that guy's was- just charming. It was good, yeah. I mean, he's like the guy you sit there go, that's like man crush stuff. You're like, what yeah, the yeah. Hell? He's a good looking. He's a good looking guy. I played a judge on that, and he was uh, defending himself, and so we had some back and forth. Uh, good show. What are some? Of your, do you, do you still enjoy playing the attorney? I mean, does anyone ever get you to play? Do you ever play a jerk? 
Yeah, the- oh, I've played morons. I've played stupid guys on different shows. But most of the time now, I think because I have this kind of intelligence about me, I'm playing uh, doctors and lawyers. I was the principal on Buffy. I don't know if you... Yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you play an authoritative figure a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, a smart Jew, you're going to, you know, put him in something where he makes sense. A West Wing, I was the Speaker of the House, or they wanted me to be the Speaker of the House. It was a very good show as well. See, that's cool. I mean, you've worked in so many shows. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like a little slice of history. I mean, yeah, it's, it's and, nice. And for it's us nice, TV nice. aficionados, you know, when you, as I said, I always look at the IMDb, you know, and you sit there mm-hmm. and go, wow. And then you see stuff and you go, wow. And then you see shows, you go, Oh, man, I remember that show, yeah. and it's just—it's so cool. I mean, and you've probably met so many people through your sure. career, and just you know. absolutely. And you know, you keep meeting people. I was in um, Springdale, Utah, a couple of days ago, walking into a pie restaurant with my whole family, and there was a woman coming out, and she said, "We worked on Drew Carey, was it?" Yeah, that's right. You know, it's, it's it's cool. you meet so many people. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, give, give your intro. Give your info if you have any info. Yeah, there. I mean, it's uh, my acting studio is uh, Ken uh, KenLearner.com. You can find it or Ken at KenLearner.com. And it's the Ken Learner Studio. And um, that's pretty much it. And switch to T-Mobile. Jeremy. I, yeah, I, I'm on T-Mobile and I had a problem with my phone. I, I, got the, it's, no, I got the best customer service the last two days. Excellent. Unbelievable. We I was like, like that. cool, yeah. Anyway, I want to thank you people for listening. Uh, check them out, Ken Lerner. It's L E R N E R. Spell it that way. Don't spell it like learner, like you're learning. Yeah, exactly. You know, check them out. Also, people, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. I'm always posting stuff and you know where I'll be. I'm not performing that much right now. Uh, you can find past episodes of my show on coopertalk.net. There's about 210 of them up there. Also, if you type in one word, one word in iTunes or Stitcher Radio, Cooper Talk, you can find Cooper Talk then. Send me an email, Cooper at Indie 100, INDIE100.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also, look for it. Uh, follow me on Twitter because I have a Cooper Talk app coming out. A person created me an app, which I've never done, but nice. people want to check it, so it's just my face on a phone thing, which isn't the best thing ever. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, people, keep listening to the show. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Remember, drink your water, eat your veggies, and take your vitamins. You guys have a wonderful weekend.